G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. You may be aware of the controversies that have been raging over the freedom of Christian schools to be able to hire staff according to their Christian ethos. In other words, a confident expectation that staff employed by a Christian school will broadly uphold the values of that school. Well, the controversy seemed to spiral out of control when 34 Anglican principals recently signed a joint letter supporting the right of Anglican schools to operate in accordance with their values. Well, their critics interpreted that letter as being all about schools being able to discriminate against homosexuals. Well, it appears that wherever the Christian church and Christian schools try to talk about the broader issues of freedom, it's interpreted as having the ability to sack homosexual teachers and expel homosexual students. So our opportunity today to talk through some of these issues with Mark Spencer, the Executive Officer for Policy, Governance and Staff Relations at Christian Schools Australia. A special welcome along to 2020 to you, Mark Spencer. Thanks, Neil. Pleasure to be here. Uh, Mark, give us a little outline before we get this conversation really sort of underway. Uh, talk, talk to us a little about Christian Schools Australia, because some listeners won't be so familiar with uh, the body that you represent. Uh, give us a little bit of an idea of, uh, of, the, op- of the, op- the operation that you're, uh, you're involved in. Yeah, thanks. So, so Christian Schools Australia is the largest national um, association of uh, faith-based schools. Uh, we have around 140 member schools across the country and uh, ranging from metro areas, uh, outer suburban areas, regional areas, rural areas, very remote areas, um, a couple of uh, entirely indigenous schools in, in Western Australia. And uh, there's about 60,000, 65,000 students in our schools across Australia. And we're basically the, the more recent generation of uh, affordable fee, uh, very overtly Christian schools that have sprung up around the country. There are a couple of other bodies uh, similar to ours um, um, in, in uh, both national bodies and in some state bodies. But you know, we've been the largest and fastest growing sector of uh, the non-government school sector for basically the last two, two or three decades. Now, when we talk about the statistics, is it the case, and uh, I sometimes quote the figure, uh, that 40% of all schools in Australia are now independent uh, Christian schools or uh, religious schools? Is is that the case when we talk numbers here? Uh, depends on when you're talking schools or students. Most people tend to talk around students, and, and broadly there's uh, uh, around 36 40% of students in non-government schools. Now, they're both the Catholic systemic schools and independent schools, as they're classified, and the vast majority of the independent schools are faith-based of one type or another, Christian schools, Jewish schools, Islamic schools. Um, 
uh, with some other, uh, a small minority being non-faith-based, but overwhelmingly faith-based schools. All right. Well, that gives us a good indication of the numbers of schools that we're talking about and uh, including, as you say, Mark, uh, the significant number and such a growing sector of uh, parents who want to put their children into faith-based education. And uh, oftentimes in, uh, you know, a fee-paying private school context, and I know that a lot of those Christian schools will pride themselves on being low fee, so they're not blocking everybody out. Uh, on the other extreme, I'm sure there are Christian schools within there that are at the top of the tree as well, insofar as, you know, they're the high-paying fee uh, Christian schools as well. But let's talk through some of the challenges that Christian schools are facing at this time, uh, because we're all waiting for the government's response to the Ruddock Freedom Review. Uh, recently, there was a leak in the media about what that review might have uh, entailed. And as we heard when we were talking with Martin Isles just a little earlier, uh, you know, one of those main concerns was the fact that uh, when the uh, published uh, recommendations came through one or two media outlets, uh, in fact, some of those recommendations were false, fake news. Uh, What are your thoughts about the leaks that happened recently with the Ruddock Review? Yeah, it's certainly a, an unfortunate turn of events. I mean, we, it wasn't even if, as if we had the whole 20 recommendations leaked at the one time. There were selective leaks of particular recommendations. They were, it seems, are pretty clearly designed to have uh, some political impact in the, the sort of shadow of the Wentworth by-election and uh, cause some problems for the government. Now, obviously, we're not sure who leaked it or, or exactly why, but you know, it certainly put this whole debate in a completely uh, misleading light and framed this discussion uh, well away from what the expert panel's uh, review, uh, expert panel's uh, recommendations uh, really were in the in the review. Okay, well, we might probably uh, be safe to put it down to uh, whoever made the leak and changed those recommendations uh, had in mind to direct the way that the political debate uh, might proceed. And so uh, those things are very, very challenging. But let's come to some of the realities uh, that are facing Christian schools now in light of the fact that there is uh, fake news that has been reported that that doesn't uh, that reflect the uh, the true recommendations of the Ruddock Review. Uh, let's talk about some of the realities in Christian schools as they are at the moment uh, in light of some of the controversies that are floating around. Uh, which which of these sorts of realities do you identify as being most important, Mark? Well, I think firstly, if you look at uh, you know where this where these uh, leaked recommendations came out, they were really focusing on this this non-story or this uh, assertion that that there were, were gay students being expelled from Christian schools left, right, and centre. That there was some epidemic of of this occurring, and look, that that's been particularly unfortunate and. Uh, Obviously, by by some of the reaction we've seen since then, has created quite a deal of concern for for same-sex attracted students in both uh, our schools, in Christian schools, and in other faith-based schools across the the nation. Now, that that's particularly troubling, and you know, we've been very consistent in our messaging all the way through this and talking to media that uh, I, I'm not aware of, and I've been involved in, in Christian schools for nearly 30 years now. I'm not aware of any student been expelled solely on the basis of their same-sex attraction. It just doesn't happen. 
it doesn't happen, hasn't happened in the past, it isn't happening now, is not something we want to be doing in the future. So I think it's important to, to really put that issue uh, to one side. It's not happening, never has been happening, isn't going to be happening, and isn't a, it shouldn't be of concern to students in schools across Australia. But having, so raised, having raised that point and coloured Christian schools in that way, uh, you might anticipate that if there is some form of anti-discrimination law that is imposed on Christian schools, uh, then you're likely to come across a scenario somewhere down the track, whether it's a genuine, authentic one or whether it's something contrived by activists, uh, that sort of thing is likely to rear its head again into the future, isn't it? Yeah, I've looked through, through my notes uh, across my time with Christian schools and there's certainly been three uh, cases I can identify where a student's been expelled for uh, the usual disciplinary behavioural type reasons. And then it's claimed it's because of their, their same-sex attraction. And that's, that's just simply not the case. Now, those claims are easy to make in the media, um, much harder to prove in, in, in court, and these matters don't tend to go to court because of that, I, I think. So you know, we'll certainly uh, undoubtedly hear some, some stories and some concerns, and there have been you know, some, some troubling personal stories through this of people who, whose experience of um, a school may not have been uh, exactly what they, what they were hoping for. And, but that could happen for a whole number of reasons. So we, I think we need to be careful when we're looking at, at making public policy that, that we do so sensitively and, and carefully and thoughtfully, bearing in mind individual people's circumstances, but not drawing too much from what one person might be claiming has happened in their particular situation. When fake news hits the media, it hits with a bang and it makes the national headlines and people are talking about it. All the commentators are filling their conversation with this issue. When the fake news is exposed, there's not much time given to correcting what was said that was wrong. Uh, it does mean that you face an uphill battle, don't you, when you're trying to get a message out that this is not really the way that Christian schools respond. Uh, it creates a it's a it's a political uh, fake news minefield, isn't it? It is, and it's it's much uh, easier to to mount a campaign based on fear and fake news, and it is to mount a uh, uh, have a discussion around sensible, nuanced balancing of very fundamental uh, human rights. Uh, and we are to also talking about a complex area of law, which is which is difficult as well to to make people aware of that, to un- help people understand how it works, and to have some informed discussion around these sort of issues. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316, to join in our conversation. Mark Spencer is our guest from Christian Schools Australia. Mark, before we move on any further, uh, let's talk through some of the confusing issues around anti-discrimination law and how that works and how it is somehow or other applied to Christian schools or exemptions from that uh, in Christian schools. How do you, how do you describe to uh, parents who are concerned just how this whole system works and what's under threat here. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the, the real challenges in this area is that uh, the way the law is structured. Um, now, without getting into all the, the nuances and the technical details about uh, discrimination law in Australia, but 
broadly the way that the legislation tends to be framed is that it very broadly defines discrimination and, and, and uh, what constitutes discrimination. Uh, in many cases, uh, they use a phrase like um, subjecting someone to any other detriment as being part of discrimination. Now, that's a very broad phrase and it covers a, a multitude of, of uh, potential actions. So the, the legislation defines discrimination and discriminatory behaviour very broadly. Now, that's just impossible to actually make work. So the way that they, they balance uh, other rights and, and make the law actually workable is by including a range of exemptions and exceptions. So um, I'm, I'm based here in Canberra and the Territory Government down here is looking at changing the legislation at territory level. And just looking at, at that law down here, there's more than 50 sections of the Discrimination Act here in the ACT that actually deal with exemptions and exceptions to, to discrimination. So there's more in the Act around exemptions to the Act than there is provisions talking about what discrimination is and what's unlawful in the first place. Um, and that's, that's unfortunate. The way that it works, you know, exemptions are the means by which other freedoms are protected and balanced. That's not the way that international law tends to happen. Uh, it, that works much better. But it's a, it's a very complicated way of, of doing it. And it also really makes, for the, the lay listener, the, the lay reader, uh, it seems that these exemptions are, are really saying, well, you shouldn't be doing this, but we'll grudgingly accept you to allow you to do that, which is not the way the law actually works in principle. Okay. Well, we talk about exemptions, and if those exemptions don't exist, uh, then those words you used, like any other detriment, uh, are so broad and so open that uh, anyone can actually uh, then make an accusation against a Christian school. Well, we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You might like to join our conversation. Let's take a call from Sheila, calling from Victoria. Hello, Sheila. Welcome along. Oh, hello. Um I'm really more concerned about the state schools program overall and the intentions of the government and what they want to do and how they want to really, it's taking over the schools basically when they tell you what to do. And um, I was thinking way back in the 50s when the government wanted to withhold finance from schools, from Christian schools and Catholic schools, what they did was they got all the schools together and held a huge march through the city without even saying anything, just sort of as a leverage. Well, when you think of the power that's happened through all these gay marches and things, why not do something like that, which will show that Christians have power too? and other faiths have power too. Sheila, you're raising some significant issues here and uh, perhaps we can pick up on one or two of those. Uh, Mark Spencer, with regards to uh, those issues that Sheila is raising, she's talking also including the idea of safe schools, uh, which is... uh, not only a Victorian issue, but certainly there's a big focus on safe schools now with the upcoming Victorian state election. But uh, safe schools itself, this is one of those issues that is uh, a part of this whole uh, issue of anti-discrimination and what schools can teach their students, what staff, uh, what sort of uh, uh, ethos a school applies. Uh, What are your thoughts for Sheila? And Sheila's exactly on the money when she's raising that that concern, and that's a very genuine concern, um, that 
that uh, many people have, if the uh, moves that have been made or, or proposals that have been uh, put forward about re just removing the current exemptions um, in relation to how we conduct our schools, how we provide education, that's been one of the proposals to deal with the, the issues around making sure that gay students can't be expelled. Um, they've been simply proposed to remove that, that provision in the Act. Now, because of that, any other detriment type of definition of discrimination, there are some very genuine concerns about whether simply removing that provision will mean that we no longer have the right to teach a, a biblical sexual ethic and, in many cases, whether if it's taken, taken to the extreme, whether we could be forced to adopt the sort of materials that have been promoted through the Safe Schools Coalition, through the La Trobe University Group and Rose Ward and all the other people that uh, you know, are associated with that particular... It's not really a, a, about safe schools. It's an ideological um, a movement uh, around a particular view of sexual conduct, sexual ethics and sexual morality. All right. And uh, one other thing that Sheila mentioned, uh, very interestingly, was uh, reflecting on the 1950s and government power over schools uh, that do, according to them, the wrong thing. So if there was new legislation that forbid Christian schools from having this ability to teach according to their Christian ethos, uh, the idea of the withdrawal of government funding, and uh, of course she's reflecting on protests from the 1950s, what are your thoughts for this idea that the government actually can wave a big stick and threaten to withdraw funding if schools didn't toe the line and taught what the state thought and not what the Bible teaches? What are your thoughts, Mark? Well, it's, in it's very interesting that uh, politicians are sort of, uh, some of the people are raising some of these claims. They're able to have their staffers um, uh, employed on the public purse but share their political convictions but they're not allowing uh, Christian schools to do the same about their religious convictions. So, you know, we need to step back here and think about what, what we're doing. The funding that Christian schools receive really allows parents without significant means to be able to go to a Christian school, a school that reflects their faith, their values and beliefs, and gives them that choice. Uh, funding to, to Christian schools is about parents having choice to pick a school they can afford that reflects their faith, values and beliefs. If they're going to take away funding, they're really removing that choice from parents and fundamentally removing their rights as, as believers to have a, a, a school that reflects their beliefs. All right. Well, thank you so much to Sheila from Victoria for your insight, your comments today. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You might also like to leave a note, a comment or a question on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio, as Shalana has done, saying any school needs to be able to decide who and uh, they do who they do and do not take on. Uh, what is driving this campaign how many transsexual and transgender and homosexual students or teacher applicants have been turned away from Christian schools? I think you answered that a little bit earlier on, uh, saying that no students had been turned away. Uh, but that doesn't mean that a school ought not to have a right to turn those students away. Your thoughts for Shalana and, uh, and on those sorts of issues, Mark? Yeah, certainly we would. You know, what we need as, as Christian schools is, is fundamentally three things the ability to, to teach uh, a biblical view or a biblical perspective in, in all we teach, the ability to employ staff who reflect our faith, values and beliefs. I mean, 
education is a, is a people business. It's all about you know, teachers and other staff in a, in a Christian school community imparting their faith and beliefs, reflecting that, modelling that to students in their relationships, in their lifestyle, in their conduct, uh, not just what they say in the classroom, but you know, as part of the whole of their life. And thirdly, to be able to make sure that we can enforce within our, our school communities the standards of conduct and behaviour that uh, you know, we would expect as a Christian community, reflecting our faith and beliefs. And so those three things are simply you know, fundamental to who we are as, as Christian schools and, and what we need to be to, to be that authentic Christian schools. Only a short while out from news, let's take another call. Jenny is on the line from New South Wales. Hello, Jenny. Welcome along. How are you today? Very well, Jenny. Need to be very quick. What are your yeah, thoughts? Okay. Um, there was uh, a time in New South Wales where the Catholic schools, um, the government was coming down on them because they didn't have enough toilets in, um, in the school out at Gilgandra. And what, they, what the bishop did was he lined up all the students and said, I'll send them to the state school the start of next week. And it wasn't long before the government came through to them. So we need to take back the control. Okay. We need to say, we've got the upper hand, not you. All right. Well, there is a sense in which while we talk about the government flexing muscle, uh, just a quick comment for Jenny. Uh, what are your thoughts for her, Mark? Look, our primary aim as, as Christian schools is to actually care for our students and give a great education. So we do need to be careful about not using uh, children as pawns in this process and not harming their education. At the moment, in, in Term 4, for many students are doing exams, end-of-year uh, assessment pro processes. So we need to make sure that we, we have this discussion um, with the policymakers, but try to do that in a way that, that doesn't um, affect the, the education we're providing our kids. So we need to balance that. Okay, there's a balance there. Mark Spencer, Executive Officer for Policy, Government, uh, Governance and Staff Relations at Christian Schools Australia. We're back with more after Vision National News. Uh, let me ask you about whether there is any room at all for compromise when it comes to Christian schools and how current issues of discrimination and anti-discrimination are working. Uh, what are your thoughts for compromise? Well, it's interesting what, as to what you might mean by compromise. And look, I, I think probably a better uh, question is, is whether whether we ha work at how we need to balance the, the different rights that are at play here. If you look at um, rights in, internationally in international human rights legislation, we've obviously got a right to equality and non-discrimination, basically taken from our our fundamental uh, biblical views that, that everyone's equal and created equal in, in the sight of God. And you've got that right. Then you've got the right of, of uh, religious freedom, which is well entrenched in international law and really at the heart of, of much of the international law. Um, the High Court said a number of years ago that you know, freedom of religion really was the essence of a free society. So you've got two very important rights. And, and the way international law deals with it, these issues of, of how to balance those two is to say, well, look at... When you're looking at a particular situation, you look at... Uh, the impact on, on both parties to the, in that situation. So if we were to, to lose the right to employ Christian staff, for example, that would fundamentally change the nature of our, our schools as Christian schools. Um, you know, we wouldn't be able to offer the, the type of schools we, we are now. 
Uh, so that, that really would completely reshape who, who we are as Christian schools and mean we weren't Christian schools. So, but On the other hand, if you look at a, a teacher, yep. um, if they can't uh, uh, get a job in, in one of our schools, there are a plethora of other schools that, that they can go and, and work in and, and uh, you know, ex- exercise their, their rights to, to employment and, and to, to be who they are. So where we might see any antagonism in the system, it's probably because of some level of political, ideological, LGBTI agitation. So really there ought not to be any sort of major problem, but if there was a problem, it's probably likely to be because of some level of agitation. Certainly. I mean, if you look at reasonably and rationally at the sort of impact upon both people in in that uh, situation... You'd think it's fairly reasonable for the, for the employee to go off and, and work in another school, um, as, as has been the case in, in many of these situations. Part of the, the challenge here is uh, there are lots of people who talk up human rights and the importance of human rights, but uh, uh, you know, they don't actually fulfil their, their promise. So to, to look at, uh, for example, uh, in Queensland, where you are, uh, Neil, at the moment, there's a, a Human Rights Act being proposed. Mm. And... Uh, the way it seeks to balance rights is it allows the government um, to abrogate rights, to take away, to impinge, to, to limit someone's human rights whenever they think it's reasonable. Now, the, the test in international law is, is far higher. It's, the government would need to show that it was necessary to abrogate your rights. But, but the, what's being proposed in Queensland, the way the Queensland government's currently looking at doing it in their Human Rights Act... And, and the same's happened in the ACT in Victoria, who have already got such legislation, is they've adopted a much lower bar of, you know, if the government thinks it's reasonable, they can do it. So a lot of people talk up human rights and the importance of rights and the need to do this carefully and sensibly, but they just don't deliver on their promises. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, you might have a question or a comment. You can also respond on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. As Dougie has, who says, these beautiful kids should never be denied in a place like a Christian school if a school denies them, they'll think the church will deny them. If they think churches will deny them, they'll think heaven has denied them. Never let that happen, Christians. Uh, there's an interesting thought there from Dougie as to what happens with those students who might be identifying as homosexual or really and there's the whole issue of transgender in all of this. Uh, but the idea that schools are actually denying a place for students, this is something here that you might like to just continue to clarify here because this is something that parents are obviously concerned about and concerned for the welfare of students who might be going through a time of of uh, confusion about uh, sexuality. Uh, your thoughts, Mark, for Dougie? And, uh, look, I absolutely agree with Dougie. What Christian schools are about is helping young people to grow up into Christ, to know who they are, to know God's plan and purpose for their life, how they fit into the kingdom of God, um, you know, how their skills, their gifts, their talents can be used in, in the service of, of our God, and to have a relationship with him. So we, many of our schools uh, have an open enrollment policy and they're happy for anyone to come along um, and, and uh, hear the gospel, be part of the gospel message, know the love of Christ, um, regardless of, of their background or the issues they're struggling with. I mean, kids have been struggling with who they are uh, from time immemorial. Um, 
in my day it was, it was whether you had long hair or or whether you had an ear pierced. Um, things have changed since then. But you know, these sort of issues have been part and parcel of education for decades. And there's never been an issue. It was uh, a confected, um, artificial uh, suggestion made by the media to try to get some political purposes. And that's been really damaging and really hurtful and really unfortunate, particularly for, for those kids who now have concerns that uh, you know, they really shouldn't have. Okay, I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk about, Mark, what is next in this debate, uh, because we're still waiting for the government's response, uh, we're still waiting for a release of the real recommendations uh, from the Radic Freedom Review, uh, but what do you see as next in this whole debate? Uh, what could religious freedoms look like into the future? And that's a, a really great question, Neil. Um, and I suppose the answer is, you know, in many ways, we don't know. Um, what, is, what is the agenda of, of the people who are looking to, to reduce our freedoms now or constrain our freedoms? Um, obviously, there's a, a bit of a political um, imperative behind many of their, of their um, uh, moves and many of the proposals. I think the best we can do is, is look, uh, look internationally to see what's happened in other jurisdictions. So... Um, you know, Canada, a country that's very similar to us, very similar uh, Western Westminster democracy. Um, it's had same-sex marriage for uh, a number of years now and has a sort of human rights framework very similar to ours. Um, uh, I've been talking to colleagues in uh, Alberta, in Canada, one of the provinces over there, and they've been very concerned about a, a recent uh, bill that's been passed through the... The, the provincial government there that allows for um, activist groups, uh, LGBT uh, alliance groups, queer straight alliance groups, to be formed on school campuses uh, at the request of a sing single student. Um, and once they're formed, the activities of those groups, the membership of those groups who might come in and speak to those groups, has to be maintained completely confidentially. So parents have can have no idea of what's going on in those groups, whether their children are involved or whether outside people are coming in and speaking into those groups and, and they've got no say in that. And you know, we obviously don't want it to get alarmist, but, but that's a very real situation in Alberta and Canada now. And you know, is, is that really where we're headed? Is that what people are looking for, to have parents completely shut out of the education of their children in that way? Well, those sorts of things are very disturbing, aren't they? And uh, I've heard other things uh, from people who have reflected on the situation that has developed in Canada uh, that, as you say, you have to look internationally perhaps to understand what the next steps would be in a debate like this, uh, where these things are headed unless uh, someone in authority, and we're talking about political will to actually call a stop to it, uh, but other things like the idea of in schools in Canada, and you may be able to confirm uh, whether this is the case, uh, where teachers have almost become policemen. And uh, for those children identified in a class uh, that are holding a biblical view of marriage, uh, being singled out and even set aside where families are needing to go some, through some sort of re-education process. Uh, have you heard that sort of thing, Mark? I have heard that uh, in relation to some government schools in, in some provinces of Canada. I'm not sure it's uh, across all of Canada. Um, but uh, I'm sure you'd be aware of the, uh, the sort of uh, cases involving Trinity Western University and, um, 
and various other high-profile cases in Canada where um, the human rights framework has really been used as a very blunt instrument to, to impact um, faith-based communities trying to live out, out their lives. Or in, in that particular case, uh, I believe it was a, a parent who wanted to withdraw their, their child from um, particular teaching uh, in a government school where it was suggested that they were actually harming their, their, their children and possibly that the children could be taken away from the family, in, I think, in one extreme case. I don't think it's happened, but that was certainly that has been suggested. All right, let's move on. A Facebook comment from Nathan who says, at the end of the day, while any school receives public money, they should be expected to comply with any current or future policy and legislation. While receiving public schools of any type, Christian, independent, public, they cannot pick and choose who they or don't take. By the same token, if a non-state school really goes against a person's beliefs or morals or sensitivities, then don't go there. Uh, There is a certain simplicity to this idea, isn't there, that if there are schools that are receiving government money, they do need to comply with whatever government policy is in place. But if there are people who disagree with the ethos of the school, as as you say, there's plenty of other options. Mark, what are your thoughts for Nathan on his comments? Well, there's two aspects to that. Certainly, um, no one's forced to come to a, to a Christian school. There are lots of uh, alternative schools around there, and, and uh, uh, there are some great government schools uh, out there if, if that uh, is what reflects the faith values and beliefs that you want your, your, your child to be, be brought up in. What we're talking about here with, with Christian schools is the choice and the ability of parents to actually, in accordance with international law and, and the rights they have as parents to provide an education that's consistent with their faith values and beliefs, to be able to afford to choose an alternative to a government school or, or some other school. So uh, high-fee schools have been around for, for decades and, and really um, people who can afford those, those schools can often afford to do so without any government funding. What our schools are, are, are like is they're largely focused on lower to middle, middle socioeconomic communities, very similar to the Catholic schools, uh, Catholic parish schools. And basically we couldn't afford, our parents couldn't afford to send their, their children to our schools without that, that government funding. So the, the funding is around choice and around parental choice and their right to choose an education that's consistent with their faith, values and beliefs. Take that away, take away choice, you're fundamentally impinging upon us our religious freedom. Yes, and uh, there is a sense, isn't there, that if those who are agitating against Christian schools uh, recognise that if funding was withdrawn, well, that would be an incredible uh, act of discrimination in itself. Uh, that's pretty significant too. We're taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's take a call from Jonathan in Perth. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome along. Yeah, hello, Neil. Jonathan, what are your thoughts today? Yeah, you know, it's very plain what you're talking about. Is uh, even though government mind fools the people, but those people that are they are paying their taxes to the government. And so even whether they are Christian or not Christian, they have their right to be helped by the government. So that does not mean government has to dictate to them what they is their right and to deprive them from their right. So I think it no, makes no sense. Because if we pay our taxes to government and our children in our Christian school, they have the right to sustain us. 
Good stuff, Jonathan. Uh, we're all paying taxes, whether we're Christian or non-Christian. And uh, your thoughts, Mark, for Jonathan? Yeah, it's just the same point we were just discussing. If you're going to take away funding from, from schools and, and really impose a set of beliefs on a particular set of schools, that's fundamentally discriminatory and fundamentally undermines the religious freedom and the rights of those parents to choose their education. Okay, thank you so much to Jonathan for your call. Let's take another Facebook comment from Kristen, who says it's against the Christian principle to deny a student a place in a Christian school. It might be their only hope of a Christian influence in their life. However, I don't think Christian school should be forced to celebrate such situations by teaching things that go against the Christian principle. Welcome the students definitely with open arms, but they need to be aware of the beliefs that the school upholds and shouldn't be surprised when the school might teach against such things. Uh, This is an interesting point that uh, Kristen is raising here. Uh, The idea that schools perhaps need to promote very widely and perhaps in a stronger way the sort of teaching that they do have around these sorts of issues. Uh, Are there sorts of processes in place that uh, that Christian schools do have in in just identifying how they uh, put the wording, say, on how they actually uh, treat the uh, students who might have those differences? What are your thoughts, Mark? I don't think anyone would be coming to any of our schools without having a clear sense of, of what they are as Christian schools and, and what they'll they'll be teaching. Um, so some of our schools are certainly designed for and, and uh, their their mission, their calling, their vision is to serve Christian families, uh, often associated with uh, local churches. Um, so for for them, that, that's a key, key criteria in what they're about. Others are more missional in their approach, allowing anyone to come, but with a clear statement of who they are as a, as a Christian school and the sort of faith and values they, they teach. Um, in many cases, uh, parents who, who may not have a, a church background, who may not understand fully uh, the gospel message and, and the Christian principles and teachings which they'll be based on, often they're either invited or, or in some cases required to attend an Alpha course or a Christianity Explained or some other introductory course as their, as their um, children come into the school to make sure they're aware of what the gospel message is, what their children are going to be taught. Um, it really is essential to, to our schools and really to any schools for the school to be reflective of what's being taught at home, what's being modelled in the home. And, and so we need to make sure, and we, our schools work very hard to make sure parents are aware of and on board with as far as possible and at least supportive of what's being taught in the school. Well, no surprises here. Christian schools will be teaching according to a biblical content. I don't want to miss the opportunity either here, Mark, to hear your thoughts on how you think the Parliament should respond to what is happening so far as uh, the whole issues of uh, religious freedom and the debate as it's going on. No doubt uh, Christian Schools Australia has made representations, uh, whether it was with the Ruddock Freedom Review and ongoing meetings with the government now. Uh, What are your thoughts on how the Parliament should respond uh, with this issue of uh, Christian schools and maintaining religious freedom? And, and many people have talked about the Ruddock Review, the Ruddock Freedom Review, but uh, I think it's important to really be reminded of uh, the name of that. It was the Expert Panel on Religious Freedom. It was a panel made up of not just uh, Philip Ruddock, uh, he, he chaired it and then brought it all together, but you had Rosalind Croucher, the, the President of the Australian Human Rights Commission, 
You had some of Australia's leading jurists. You had uh, one of Australia's leading academics in this area of, of human rights and, and uh, international law. So you had an expert panel who's just looked at all these issues. They've uh, reviewed over, over 15,500 submissions. 15,500 submissions. Mm. Consulted widely across the country with uh, Christian school groups, activist groups from a range of areas, human rights groups. You know, they, they, they've done a lot of work to carefully look at uh, this whole area of what is very complex law. And they've come up with a set of recommendations. Now, I, I think we'd certainly be happy if their recommendations were, were followed. It'd be great to see um, the full copy of the report so we can read uh, and understand their thinking and how they've come to these recommendations. And I think at the end of the day, that's where Christian schools would, you know, would like this uh, to be shifted back into the, the, the realm of having the experts and looking at what they're recommending and why. Okay, we'd like to hear what the experts had to say and not with leaked documents. We want to hear something official. Uh, Let's uh, just in this last couple of minutes, uh, one of the concerns, and for those listening to our conversation today, uh, I'm sure no doubt uh, appreciating having uh, some clear insight into this whole issue. Uh, There, of course, will be reporting in mainstream media as this debate continues to rage. And there is a sense in which no matter what Christians say, it's going to be interpreted as anti-homosexual. What are your thoughts for how listeners listening to our conversation today might just sort of, you know, bring into their own conversations something that brings a level of clarity here, Mark. What have you? What's some advice that you might be able to give to to Christians who are going to be in these conversations about clarity on the issue? First of all, I think we need to really make it clear, and I think I've said it a few times, and I'll keep saying it until people start to get the message. We are not wanting to to discriminate against students solely on the basis of their same-sex attraction. We want to work with students. We want to help students to know the love of Christ and the care of his people. That's the first point. So let's, let's put that issue to, to one side because it really isn't an issue. But what we're fundamentally about is whether we want the government to be able to tell us what we can think, what we can believe, and how we can live out those beliefs. If we can't teach in a Christian school if we can't employ staff in a Christian school who share our faith and beliefs, if we can't have biblical standards of behaviour and conduct in a Christian school, then we fundamentally can't have a Christian school. Simple as that. Well, it's as simple as that, and actually, as you explain it, it is profound... Uh, profoundly important to appreciate the value of what Christian schools have and the need for religious freedom because uh, if the schools don't have the right to teach as they do with their Christian ethos, as you say, it's so serious that if you don't have that right, uh, you don't really have Christian schools. Well, Mark Spencer, it's just been a pleasure getting your insights today. Uh, Mark, the Executive Officer for Policy, Governance and Staff Relations at Christian Schools Australia. Let me point people to the Christian Schools Australia website and uh, you can find out more about what Christian Schools Australia does. Uh, No doubt there'll be some uh, articles or some links there to some of the sorts of things that we've been talking about today. Find out some more about Christian Schools Australia, csa.edu.au. CSA stands for Christian Schools Australia, csa.edu.au. Mark Spencer, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. 
Neil, thank you for the time to actually have a fulsome discussion around this. It's been great. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.